Hello, and welcome back to the Socially Distanced Podcast, or if you're joining us for the first time, welcome to the Socially Distanced Podcast. I am Al Manorino, the managing editor of thepopbreak.com. With me, as always, is the editor-in-chief of the site, Bill Botkin. Bill, what is going on? Hey, Al, you know, it's 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 August, which is crazy, um, and it's like August 10th, which means Labor Day is going to happen in five minutes. Because mm-hmm. time is a flat circle and everything is just relative, and we got a wild show this week, man. Uh, this is this 20, episode twenty-one, which means 21. we are four episodes away from our live watch through of the failed Fox drama Point Pleasant uh, for episode twenty-five. Um, the dumbest idea I've ever had. I can't wait to. But do it. the best idea since it's so localized to New Jersey. Um, Al, let's. Uh, as the poets would say, let's cut the shit and play the hit, man. Let's get into that yeah. first segment. We have to get right into it, because uh, seriously, what the fuck? What the actual fuck? Uh, this week, seriously, what the fuck is something completely different, something we've never done on the, sh- uh, the show before. I was about to say the site. The show before. Uh, we have our first legitimate, awesome guest interview, uh, Tommy Siegel. What's up, Tommy? Thank you for What's joining us. Up? Thanks for having me. Yeah. So uh, Tommy Siegel, if you guys don't know, he is a member of Jukebox the Ghost. He's also a solo artist and a pretty famous cartoonist. I'm pretty sure he was just featured in the Washington Post of all places. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, that was that was a weird little that was a weird little surprise. Um, but fun one. Fun thing a week ago. So, um, so Tommy, usually the first thing we, we ask anyone who's on the show is like, how are you holding up during all this? We started this podcast because we just needed an outlet to vent during quarantine and this pandemic. Like, how are you actually holding up during this? Well, I mean, it's been insane, right? Uh, I, I mean, but I think, um, I've been very lucky, you know, as far as my situation this year, um, the first, like, Four months of the pandemic, I was helping take care of my sister's kids who were th- who were three and five, um, because she was running a COVID unit, so she was like separated from from her kids. Um, so I was being Uncle Dad for like three months, and um, then came up once that was over and they reunited. Um, I joined up with a, a a few friends up in Maine. And we have a little work from home compound going on in the woods. So uh, all things considered, um, I'm doing a fine in the cosmic scale of things. You know, I have to commend you for taking care of both a three and five year old. As a father of a five year old, <laughs> there there is not a gray hair on that head or chin of yours and that resplendent mustache of yours because we are doing this via video. <laughs> but no one can see it but us. As a father of a five year old, I can tell you, hey man. Cheers to you. What are you drinking today, uh, Tom? Cheers to you as well. I'm I'm not I, I can't really flaunt what I'm drinking tonight. I had some really good main cider that I had picked up, but I'm I'm now all the way through that, so now I'm drinking um a leftover lemon white claw. I am drinking a my patented Coke Zero and Tito's, so hey man. Woo! At least you have a branded Woo! uh beverage. <laughs> I have a Jameson t-shirt on, and I'm not drinking Jameson, so I'm a traitor to my, my heritage. Al, what are you <laughs> drinking right now? As always, or as almost every day, I'm drinking uh, Founders Green Zebra, the uh, official beer of the summer, my summer, personally. It's a, it's a watermelon goza with sea salt, and it's delicious. Oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so, Tommy, um, you know, I, I briefly mentioned the uh, the Washington Post piece, and it wasn't, like, centered on you, but it kind of like was briefly like inspired by um, one of your cartoons about doom scrolling. Um, So, you know, that's something that I think a lot of us are unwillingly doing every day. I did that on Sunday. It ruined my Sunday. Yeah. It's, um, you know, but, but for people who are unfamiliar with the subject that is probably taking apart like every minute of their day, what, what is doom scrolling? And do you have any uh, suggestions on how people can avoid it? (laughs) <laughs> uh, well, it's funny. I, I, I don't know if I'm the best person to suggest how to fix it because I feel like I'm I'm just a person who has a problem with it very openly. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's just it's become the new normal. I mean, I, I've been reading a, a lot of books about the top uh, on this kind of topic, like in 2020. 
Um, there's a great book um, by Gia Tolentino, who's a New Yorker writer, called Trick Mirror that I highly recommend. And um, there's another one called How to Do Nothing. Um, I can't remember the author of that one. But they're, they're both books about just where the social media machine has taken us and what it's really doing. And, you know, that the idea behind it is to harvest as much of your attention as possible to sell ads to you, essentially. Um, and, you know, in doing so, they were creating platforms and incentivizing just a constant parade of doom. And it doesn't help a lot that we are we are in a constant parade of doom in real life as well. Um, so it's just sort of like it's a multi-layered cake at this point. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I sort of find that the only solution like I don't know about you guys, but like I feel like. It, it took me a while to acknowledge that my relationship with my phone was actually one that was not, um, uh, it, it was, it was addiction in the true sense. It wasn't not in like a playful, like, haha, I'm addicted to my phone. It's like, no, I'm addicted. I'm addicted to it. Um, so what I've found works for me is to physically have it in a different room than me at like pretty much all times, unless I actually need it. <laughs> that's my only solution that's a great solution and i feel like because we're in quarantine that's something we can easily do but like i just got an apple watch and like it's it's just <laughs> you pulled a dick tracy from 1990 which all yeah, of us wanted it's literally, it's literally following me now so it's like i i guess i think another thing too and it's something you are kind of inadvertently doing is like you're being creative and you're putting you're channeling that i guess the negativity that is you know, the, the doom and you're kind of putting that into your, into your work, you know, something like your the first single off, uh, off the debut album, your, your solo album. Um, that is kind of like channeling what people are thinking about at the moment. And, um, that's, that's a, a thing that you can definitely tell people is like, put it towards your hobbies or put it towards, you know, writing, you know, get it, get the energy out there in a, in a different way. And yeah, stop, totally. Stop looking at your phone. <laughs> Totally. It's it's a trap. And um, I don't know. I mean, I think we think about it all wrong because we think about it in terms of like is a willpower question. And it's it's really, I think, a lot deeper kind of biologically embedded than that. And, you know, we talk about it, it's like, oh, like, well, just don't check your phone. But it's that's like saying like to a smoker, like, well, you can have cigarettes around all the time, but just don't smoke them. You know, it's like just you know, it, the, the only way to quit smoking is to replace it with something else and never have cigarettes on you, <laughs> you know? So I think the phone is kind of, is kind of the same way. And I, I go through like spurts where it's, I'm, I'm managing it well and, and ones where I'm not. And I actually wrote about it. It's kind of the, the center of my, um, uh, we were, we were talking about this, but the, uh, my debut book, which is coming out in, in, I guess a month and a half now, a lot of it's about the experience of really, throwing myself into social media as a kind of full-time practice for you know 500 days because I was doing this daily cartoon project and sort of like how how it was great but also like what it did to my brain yeah for better and for worse and uh by the way like just just preparing for the podcast I was like that is the best like that is the only name for the book um which is I, I hope I hope that helps I hope this helps which is something it's kind of like a little sign uh, signature that you put on uh, some of the cartoons from the, the project. Um, so I think there was no other name for it, honestly. It was, it's yeah, a totally. I, I actually, I didn't even think of it. My friend sent me a, he just sent me a text one. Like I have a friend in Seattle who sent me a text and he was just like, he's like, you know, your book, this was like two years ago too. He was like, I hope you know your book is called, I hope this helps. And I was like, you're right. And so I've been ever since he sent me that text, I've been just like playing it up more and more and more. <laughs> yeah. I find it your I find it your yeah. cartoons because Al was the one who turned me on to him because um, he was sharing them on on Facebook and so and Twitter and I was like God, I, I feel like every day you're tapping into something like I feel or is just like in like everyone is feeling. For you personally, how has this working with this cartoon? How is this like? impacted you personally like on like an emotional level like uh you know how, how is this like has it changed you in any way has it opened your mind to different things like how, how is this creating this for over 500 days like how has this impacted you 
Well, it's I, I I have a lot of complicated feelings about it because it's like on one hand, I mean, I started doing it because I was kind of frustrated with how music works on the internet. Um, it just always felt like it was swimming upstream. You know, mu- it, the social media is such a visual ephemera, you know, marketplace. It's just it's designed for quick bursts of like five seconds or less visual content generally. Um, and with music, sometimes it's weird because you you can you spend so long on it and then your experience on social media is essentially begging people to listen to it. Like, please, please listen to my song. Um, and so like, I was I was kind of like or listen to a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and I, I sort of hit a crossroads where I I was um, thinking like, OK, I know I like cartooning. That's something I've always done casually. What if I tried it for for real? And so I had seen another cartoonist do a 365 day cartoon challenge. And I watched like I watched him get better and better and better over the course of it. And I was like, well, maybe maybe I could get better, too. I don't I don't know. And so on one hand, the project was amazing because it it it, it gave me this creative outlet that um, it just feels like it's always there for me now. And an audience that wasn't there before and just like totally unlocked something that I didn't, I didn't know was, was possible. Um, but on the other hand, I mean, the thing about living in social media and that world for consistently for 500 days, a, I mean, I got so burnt out, but like after, after the, the end of the 500 days of comics, I was just exhausted for months um, and I finally got back on my feet and thank God I'm still enjoying making comics and stuff. But, um, you know, so that's like part of the danger of hustle culture. I think we're sort of like social media is like a machine that only demands more and more. There's no point where they're like, okay, that's enough. You know, so it's, you can never, you can never feed it enough content. There's always, there's always more to give it. Um, so yeah, there was that. I would also say like living in social media for that long kind of exacerbated my already kind of tenuous relationship with my phone. And like, instead of it just just being like a way to get dopamine by like posting a brunch picture, it was also like, now it's also my livelihood. <laughs> Which is an interesting relationship to have with like, you know, um, likes or whatever. But did the stress... Did that stress come from you're hoping it reaches a lot of people or is it the stress coming from the comments and the reactions? Because like the, the old joke is never read the comments, you know, whether it's a YouTube video, a Facebook or Instagram post, it's like never read the comments or um, what was the where was that stress coming from? Uh, I would say it was like a, coming from a number of different um, things at once. One, it was just a lot of work because trying to come up with a new gag every single day that's good. Um, you know, it ends up it ends up being a lot of work on top of managing five different social media accounts where I'm kind of like pushing it out every day on Tumblr and Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and Reddit. Um, so th- there was that. And there was also the kind of reaction element that you're describing. And part of that was positive in a way because it was... Um, it was because the audience was growing. So it was like every day I had to one up myself from the day before, or at least that's how I felt. Cause it was like, for a while it was like, it was, it was odd. It was like right at the end of the project, like f- from days 400 to 500, that's when it really started snowballing and my audience like quintupled. Um, and so it was weird to be simultaneously like at the end of it, feeling like I'm out of ideas and also feeling like, boy, I got to make this one better than yesterday's. And uh, I think for the most part, it that pre- that pressure was positive. Because um, when I look at the book, like the compilation book that I'm about to put out, um, a lot of it's from the 500 Project. And it's really weighted heavily on the last 100 days. Um, and I think partially because there was so many eyeballs on it at that point that I felt just like I felt like I couldn't throw a softball, you know? Um, and I, I did a lot, I did throw a lot of softballs and, but you know, they would always be like, oh no, I've really let myself down. I did another 
I did another comic with an eagle with a butt, you know. That's a that's kind of a form of doom scrolling, though. You're like, oh man, <laughs> I'm, you're, you're scrolling through the reaction from it, and people are, you know, it, I I think personally, your stuff, especially recently, has it's only gotten better. I mean, you've as you said, like your friend, you know, the, the, the other artists that you followed did it for so many days. You've only gotten progressively better, and better is sort of subjective in art, but like. I think your content hits harder now because of the world that we live in. The like me and Bill were talking about it before you jumped on. Like the the tread on me, daddy. Oh, like, like I love it. I laugh about that every day. Like oh, we so good. like uh, a friend, another friend of ours. Like Thanks, I'm guys. pretty sure is buying the merch that you know you're doing, and that's that's genius. <laughs> the way that you kind of um, is that friend a former you, guest on this podcast? Yeah, Kelly. <laughs> uh, but like yeah, and, and, and friend Tommy, of the pod, I, 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 yeah. Uh, we talked about, you know, um, last year, end of the year before the, the Halloween tour, we briefly talked about how Jukebox and yourself, you guys are evolving with the the music industry, right? How, you know, going, things like Patreon, and we were talking about like TikTok, how these short form things hit harder than, you know, dropping an album, right? So how is it now? Like, this is a few months later since October there's a pandemic all the music venues are closed bill and i talk about this all the time i'm a concert photographer so my 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 my, my, my like career side hustle is just shot and out the window right now i can't we have been talking about we can't imagine how it feels for musicians right now and a lot of you have adapted really well you i see you and i see ben uh, also from jukebox you know doing these like live um, you know, these Facebook lives where you guys are interacting with your fans and things like that. Ben Gibbard's a great example where he's doing, he was doing the, like the basically a concert series and doing all these songs. I got to listen mm-hmm. to outfield cover you sent me. Oh my God. That's fantastic. By the way, we'll, we'll yeah, talk his, about his, his live. It is a great, they're really um, good. Yeah. What do you see is the, the, the rest of 2020 look like for you personally as a musician? <laughs> right? Because we, we are still, yeah, like, yeah. We don't know. I know. I just, I love that even the question makes me laugh, um, kind of nervously. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's more of the same. <laughs> I mean, if it gives you any perspective, I mean, we had, we had a spring tour booked, obviously that got, um, canceled. We had a fall tour booked and a new album coming out. Um, and that got kicked to 2021. And, then we had a spring tour that was a winter spring tour for 2021 that was booked. And then we, we bumped that too. So, um, the whole music, the whole music industry is just waiting to see what happens. And I mean, it's funny. My, my experience with quarantine has been okay because I accidentally hedged my own, hedged my bets against my own music career. Um, I didn't think of it that way, but, um, by cartooning, I kind of like created this other outlet that I could be busy with um, a lot, even as I was recording music all the time. Um, but yeah, Ben has adapted really well. You were talking about he's doing these noodles at noon kind of thing where he's doing like um, these live stream piano concerts, which are super improvisational and super fun. And um, yeah, he's kind of he's d- dove into it musically a lot better than I think like I don't feel super drawn to live streaming music a lot like I like doing it every once in a while but for me you know if I'm being honest most of the appeal of me getting into music and playing in a band is to play with other people and to play on stage for people (laughs) like I just live music is my lifeblood as far as the and I love recording and I love producing but to me, they're all means to an end to then eventually play a show. I'm always, when I'm writing a song, I'm always thinking about like, where would this go in the set list? Like what, you know, how would this go live? How would we play it? You know? Um, and so, yeah, I, it's going to be, it's going to be a long road. And unfortunately we're going to be the last thing to open back up. I, I think um, it, it's rough because unfortunately now in hindsight, I'm kind of looking at, um, the music industry, it's easier to see now because a lot of the smoke is cleared. Um, and, you know, it's kind of, it, this is a little sad to think about, but we were in a, 
golden age for live music in the 2000, 2000s and the 2010s. Festival culture had had blown back up. Uh, live music was seen as a cool and attainable thing to do and spend kind of a lot of money on. Um, and, you know, it was still the one area of the music industry where you could still make good money. And Jukebox was very lucky that we could make a living off touring. Off recording, recorded music and selling online t-shirts, I would, I would, uh, that is going to be a top 1% of 1% that's going to be able to make a living off that. Because now we've got into a situation, right, where like recordings are, you know, every listen is a micro penny and you have to listen to a song 2000 times to give your favorite artist a dollar. So I'm not saying there's anything ethically wrong necessarily, like, but it's unsustainable as your only source of revenue. Um, so I don't know where it goes from here other than that I just really hope that live music comes back because I miss it and it's clearly the healthiest part of the um, music economy. Yeah, I mean, we again, we Bill and I and guests on the pod have been talking about this for weeks now is because, you know, I remember as early as the first few episodes, we were talking about like, Oh man, I hope they don't ca- uh, cancel the uh, you know the See Here Now Music Festival yeah. in Asbury. I can't. I really want to see Pearl Jam to like. Are they even gonna have it next year? Like that's that's yeah where it's gone to. Like you know, well, we started this in March, so it was basically yeah. like, oh, you know, okay, yeah, maybe not September. I mean, yeah, September will be okay, but it's like mm, not so yeah. much. Now we're talking about like save our stages, uh, the charity. Uh, you know, it'd be like, please save independent music venues because they might not last or survive yeah. by next Pla- year. Places that you guys were planning on going to, yeah. you know, right in our neck of the woods were like White Eagle Hall and the Stone Pony and or, you know, Asbury right. Lanes. Both, both of which would have been uh, first for us, I think. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, totally. you know, we've gone from, you know, we're going to have to shift some dates around to I hope these things exist and that's that's rough. And we we can't even imagine how it is for an artist, but like just as people who cover this and who, you know, who have this as an expensive hobby to go uh, to, you know, concerts all year round and big music festivals. It's it's such a weird, you know, it, it's an understatement that it's a weird time, but it's just, an, you know, we don't know what's going to happen next. Uh, we, we just need a, a vaccine or a cure and then we can hopefully get into a place where we can see you guys live again. Because I want to hear yeah, the, I, this new album live. Yeah, me too. I also want to finish the album too. I mean, that's the funny thing. We were we were about halfway through finishing the record when when everything went crazy. <laughs> so we're looking forward to things calming down enough where we can sort of confidently be in the same place for a little while and and record every day. So hopefully we'll. Uh, Hopefully we'll get there. The uh, I have a question for you guys because I think the musical chairs element of of quarantine is really odd. With what was what was your last concert before before quarantine hit? Oh, don't ask me because as a dad, I don't see anything live anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But oh gosh, the last thing I saw live, dude, I I honestly don't even remember the last thing because I for me <laughs> as yeah, as yeah. the editor in chief of the site. I dole out the the goods to photographers. You know, we don't, we know everyone works, you know, free for the site. So I'm like, hey, whatever you guys want to watch or whatever you guys want to shoot, hey, go shoot it. You know, uh, so Al, you're better for this question than me because most of the stuff I watch is wrestling live. So, you know, no one wants to talk about that. Uh, yeah. The last good show I saw or the last show I saw? Because <laughs> oh, the I last pro- show I, I shot, um, I said last show you saw. It can't be the last good one. Oh, um, surprisingly, it was Lauren Hill, and you didn't uh, even shoot that for me. I know. I shot it for uh, for the Wellmont Theater in Jersey, and uh, it was the toughest show I ever shot. And I don't think I enjoyed it because of that. Um, but like looking back, I probably should have enjoyed it more because it was the last show I shot. Uh, it was pretty <laughs> oh, impressive <laughs> for me. Oh, actually, no, I remember the last show I attended was See Here Now, twenty nineteen. That's what I attended. Nice uh, in Asbury Park on the waterfront, uh, it, which was which was great. You know, seeing I was um, ten thousand yards away from Dave Matthews, so it was basically you know he was like an ant, and I vaguely heard him sounding like a cat 
from a long way away, uh, standing next to our staff writer, Ryan DeMarco. And, uh, you know, seeing bands like um, uh, oh, St. Paul and the Broken Bones, seeing the Struts, seeing uh, Dropkick Murphys. Dropkick. And, you know, in our, where, you know, our heart is in Asbury Park, where we're based out of, was super cool. So that was my last uh, well, at least you at least you crammed in a you crammed in a bunch right before I, uh, I crammed in like twenty bands, including like the B fifty twos, sweating their faces off in like sequin jumpsuits, singing Rock Lobster. Yeah, they were like a hundred five oh, yeah. years old, and, and they were just crushing slayed. it. Laid, yeah, they slayed. That's great. Uh, what about you? Do you remember the last show? Was it one of your shows? That doesn't really count, so it has to be a show no. that you saw off, isn't it? Yeah, no, I saw a few. Sh- uh, we, we the last show we played was before Thanksgiving, so I saw a few shows after that. But uh, I think no, it's definitely my last show was Deerhoof, which they're one of my favorite bands. So happy to have them as my pre my pre COVID. Um, oh yeah, Deer Deerhoof is they're they're amazing. They're amazing. Oh, super good. I was gonna say actually right before, right before Lauren Hill. So uh, like right after I saw you guys, I saw Twenty One Pilots. Which was nuts because Ooh, you're welcome. Uh, yeah, because they they were um, they came to my college and played for free, and then years later they're selling out the Prudential Center, and it's just kind of like a weird, like literally seeing this band kind of just blow up like that over time. Um, that was pretty sweet. They blew up. They they blew up fast. I mean, I remember like we got an email being like, "We're submitting you for opening for." for 21 pilots and we were like i've never heard of this band why would we open for them and then it, it was like oh 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 okay yeah uh yes please submit <laughs> yeah i think the i think the they were they were like to me the one that i witnessed that was just like astronomical rise right because they had the one single just blew up and then they became like a, a like basically a cult following of fans until billy eilish that's the one that I think is the fastest I've ever seen someone kind of just blow up astronomically in such a short amount of time. So I see. Yeah, ju- ju- Jukebox has a fun stat. We opened for Billie Eilish at South by Southwest in 2018, early 2018, I think. I don't know if that sounds, if that, if that seems right, but that was, that was very, that was very strange. Cause it was like literally two months later, she wouldn't have even ever thought about playing South by Southwest. It was just like this weird moment in time where she was like industry buzz and there were a couple hundred people there and she had like a hoodie covering her face and was just kind of walking around the stage with a mic. Yeah. She was, I mean, she's great. You were talking, you briefly talked about, uh, you guys were recording in the middle of recording, um, a new album, you and jukebox. Um, you released a new single. It's really great. And it's kind of uh, we. I just saw on uh, on on the social medias as I was doom scrolling that there's a connection to an older song that you wrote from Jukebox. Yeah. So can you talk a little? Can you talk a little bit about that? And uh, you know, talk about kind of the the writing process for the new song and the new album that you guys are in the middle of. Yeah. So um, yeah, that song. Um... Getting older, which is uh, one of two singles we've put out this summer. The first one was called "Call Me Joe." Um, getting older, I actually wrote for a musical that never came to fruition. So we were working with Second City in Chicago, and um, we had some fans at Second City who were excited about getting us involved with writing a musical with them, essentially. Um, and they had this whole kind of heady, very Second City idea about writing the whole thing through improvisation. So no one comes in with like a script. It's all just like pieced together from improv. Um, and so, yeah, we were there for, I think, five days just brainstorming every day. And one of the plot threads we talked about was like sort of a dystopian thing with a, a couple who was talking about whether they wanted to have kids in, you know, a kind of dystopian story. Uh, and so I wrote Getting Older as, like, literally just a, a conversation between the characters about whether to have kids. And uh, I don't know. It's, it just kind of stuck around um, and just made sense to, to release this year. It just seemed like a 
I don't know. It was like all of a sudden, I think in other years it might have felt too negative or something, but I think the whole culture is in, in that kind of headspace right now. So it's like kind of cathartic and acceptable to kind of go right for the, the dark stuff. Um, but yeah, we don't even, you know, it's funny. We don't even know if we're going to put Getting Older and Call Me Joe on the new record. Those, they might end up being one-off singles. Um, we, we have a lot of songs in the wings and Call Me Joe and Getting Older actually kind of predate the, the newer stuff that we had been working on in, in 2020, January through March, essentially. Um, but yeah, we've got like 20, 22 songs, I think that we've tracked basic stuff on that we're going to keep toying with and see what works. And right now we're trying to figure out, you know, just what steps we can take remotely and, um, I'm I'm gunning for I want us to put out two records in you know in close succession. That would be that would be my that would be my wish list. We we talked about um and I keep referring to we uh there's uh listen you can read and if you guys still do that um podcast listeners uh you can read uh, t- uh Tommy and I we had a conversation last year um on the poprake.com. We'll link that in the podcast yeah we have the technology we can do that uh, i was also realizing i was connecting the dots i remember exactly where i was walking around during that interview in williamsburg and you asked you asked great questions um but anyways i i interrupted um, oh no you're good no no, no. So, al will always allow compliments, compliments to it. interrupt anything he's saying <laughs> for, for as long as i've known him he absolutely will. yeah it's not an interruption if you compliment exactly we talked about how I noticed that Off to the Races is such a like a positive album that, you know, you had a, a deluxe version that had a few songs on it that not necessarily fit that that positivity. Like the, 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 the songs that were removed from the album wasn't that they weren't good songs. They just kind of didn't fit that like the tone that you guys had. Do you think you have like any sort of idea of like what this new album is going to sound like? Is it going to be, a, I guess, a reflection of of the times? If if there's a, if there's even a, a way to reflect on it now, um, uh, you know, I think it's kind of weird. I, I I had a really rough, just personally, a rough 2019. So I had been working on this whole batch of songs that were really about kind of just cathartic songs for me that were about really like going through bad times and synthesizing it into something new. Um, sort of the idea that like from chaos comes creation, you know, that um, I've been thinking a lot about a lot in this sort of Trump era of like, you know, chaos, this chaos is bad, but maybe it presents an opportunity to imagine, you know, a different way of existing. Um, and so, Sort of coincidentally, there's a lot of songs, and from Ben, too, that revolve around that theme of sort of uh, hard times and also, but also the, the, the side of it that, um, you know, growing through them and changing and how, you know, how dark times and chaos can present an opportunity for, you know, change to, to like really have a clean slate. So there's a, there's a sort of concepty thread that, um, that I think a bunch of the songs have that I really want to preserve onto a single record. Cause it has, there's a bunch of songs that flow into each other. And if you know, our jukebox, the Ghosts first record, let lemon like ghosts, there's, um, a lot of songs that kind of blend together and segue. And this new record has a lot of those. So I'm, I'm hoping that we can kind of preserve that and also put out another record. That's maybe more like a traditional record where it's, you know, just a collection of songs we like. Um, but yeah, I hear kind of two thread threads there. Excellent. I'm, I'm going to say I'm a sucker for like concept albums. Like I always say that I, one of my favorite bands is Phoenix and they're like last two albums. Like they're only getting more conceptual and they're like, we don't give a shit about singles. Like we're going to just make like stuff that we like and we care about. Like it's also is Al is so contractually good. obligated every five podcast episodes to reference Phoenix. I, I don't know why, but every five episodes, it's going to have a Phoenix reference. Uh, that's great. Um, my question, uh, Tommy, is with your comics and with uh, the, the solo record, I'm, I, I'm sorry, I'm moving away from the, the uh, jukebox record for a second. 
that you have made no, you're very open about your political beliefs. Now, we were talking about social media before. Was that a hard decision for you to make to say, hey, I'm going to make a stand or I'm going to just make a statement politically about how I feel? You know, as a as a site, we've tried to remain for the better part of the last decade, uh, you know, non-political. But in this time, it's hard to do that. So we made a stand and we've not been uh, afraid to do that. And we've lost many a follower for it. But we've also gained many a follower for it. In the long run, that doesn't matter to me. I'm just saying, you know, for reference. But, like, is was there any trepidation to do that? Or was it just like, this is this is me. This is how I have to be. I, don't, I didn't mean to throw you a Shakespearean couplet there, but I just did. I guess my degree, ah, my English uh, degree it, is painful. It was beautiful. <laughs> um yeah, I mean, I, I, I've always been very political and outspoken just in general. And I feel like comics just sort of gave me a convenient vehicle where people would actually sort of share it around. Um, whereas before it sort of felt just like screaming into the void a little bit. Um, but, you know, I also think that this era is, you know, it's different because I think that sometimes when we talk, we use the word politics now, um, I think we're talking about things that aren't political we're not talking about policy positions most of the time we're not talking about you know tax brackets we're really sometimes we are but mostly we're talking about things like cruelty incompetence corruption which to me are not um part of the usual political binary we're, we're to me we're talking about um whether we want to make a better world or whether we don't um, which to me is not really a, um, you know, I can, you know, I, I have all sorts of political beliefs, but I feel like we're like three steps removed from actually talking about those things. It's like, how would, you know, single player healthcare get implemented? I don't know. First, we have to figure out how to have a functioning government, you know? Um, so yeah, to me, it's like, uh, there is like, yes, it's difficult to come out and be political and in a public way. Um, and I certainly get death threats and all sorts of weird messages and stuff like that. But, um, to me, it's just not really politics. It's just sort of, um, it's, it's like it, calling it politics is, is to me giving like Trump way too much credit. Um, even though I know it is, we do talk about it as politics. I, I don't, I don't know if it really is like we're kind of talking about bullying and just cruelty, incompetence, basic humanity. Yeah, that's how I feel. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, we mentioned uh, Kelly, our friend of the show. She uh, she had a question for you, and I thought it was a pretty great one, too, because you've done uh, the cartoons for like what, like two years now, two plus years. It's been it's, yeah. it seems like yeah, it's pretty, pretty long time. Um, and because of the popularity and you know the constant retweets and likes and shares and everything like that has has any brands reached out to you either to complain or want to partner with you you know i mean you don't have to get specifics but i thought it was uh, you know be interesting to to hear like uh what kind of feedback you've gotten well i would i would i would assume that with that question she might be thinking in particular of the pringle man which i've used as a source of inspiration so i've drawn a lot of nude portraits of the Pringle Man, um, and the Pringle Woman, um, they have been conspicuously silent. I have not been contacted by that's them. That's a surprise. Um, and I'm, I think that's kind of interesting. Like, because it's gone viral enough, whether through my account or through other people's accounts, enough times that I know that their marketing team has seen it. Oh, yeah. Did they AOC have have. pull you out? And, but they've made a. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, she, she loves the Pringle man. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I, I, I just love picturing that they're at like a corporate meeting and they're talking about it and they all made a conscious decision. Like, we're just not going to touch that. <laughs> um, I would want to, I would want to picture, I would want to picture like, we got to do something about this Tommy Siegel guy. Like, I would yeah. love to that be like the, the, the 
you know, the the main part of the meeting is like there's like a boardroom <laughs> meeting discussing getting rid of you from the internet because you're 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 besmirching the like, Pringles. Can we send them free chips. That would make me so happy. <laughs> Honestly, I think that it's funny because I don't intend it to be this way. Like Ike sort of intended to be like sort of a weird like post-capitalism dystopian sexualization of a corporate icon that's like just supposed to mess with your head but i can tell that some people interpret it as like oh that makes me hungry for pringles <laughs> um which is you know interesting um so yeah uh, but i have been reached out to i actually had a weird game of chicken with a brand this summer who was the first time a real brand had reached out to me about um doing a branded cartoon but through my account and I, it was good money and I eventually chickened. I couldn't do it. I just like, I just wanted to read. It's, you know, I, I feel like art, art is so hard to maintain that feeling of control and that connect that sort of spiritual connection to like expressing what you're thinking. And it, I just had this moment where I was like, I can't do it. I, and, you know, this is just per my my belief is if you're if it's still your signature on it, like you're not like if you're not going like straying too far away from like the product that you're delivering, I don't think your fans would mind that much or, or the majority of your fans would mind. I'm not saying to go to go you know sell out or whatever, but no, it would it would have been fine if I did it. But I think I would have had trouble. It's not. I wasn't worried about how other people were going to perceive it. I was worried about how I was going to. I perceive have been myself. in the same exact. No, position. I like that. I get every day. I get emails for, hey, we want to do a paid post about this, and I'm just like, it'd be great for the money, but the mm-hmm. ethics of that is not what we do. So I feel, I feel that. Yeah. And Al's going to message me offline, be like, "Son of a bitch, we could use the money." <laughs> It, it is it is it is tough though because it's like you know you got to do what you got to do to survive and you know I I think that if I'd done it I don't I, I I'd be able to sleep at night just fine but I just had this moment where I was like I'm okay without this I, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna be a um, an artistic wiener for now and uh, stick to my guns. Exactly, I would gladly do it for their account. I have no problem with that. It was a company that I don't have any ethical issues with. Um, totally fine. But um, it was presenting it under my account as not even presenting it as an ad. That's what bothered me is that I would have to sort of implicitly lie to my audience. I I get that, man. I totally yeah. get that because you're like, this isn't, this wasn't my idea. This wasn't anyone I am like friends with this idea. I'm speaking for myself or people who work for us. It's this is someone saying I'm paying you to do this. And it just feels you want to be you're going to be the wiener and you're going to say like, nope, I can't do it because it's it, you don't feel honest about it. Well, because and what I what I realized, too, is it, it's not like they were they were trying to they weren't buying a cartoon. They were buying my credibility, essentially. That's what they're paying for. Right. Like when you talk about pop break, they're they're trying to buy the credibility that you've established with your audience, and you know, hope hoping that that can sort of trick people in a way. Um, so yeah, it's weird. I was in marketing for years, uh, and influencer marketing like that is such a strange and like it's a kind of like a weird like minefield because you could lose an audience if you're doing it the wrong way and you know people are smart they know when it's an ad even if it doesn't say hashtag ad like they know when you're straying away and you're you know talking about a product or or promoting something that you know isn't something that you would normally do so you know just just keep showing off the sexy pringle guy and and bring a woman (laughs) And just, you know, stick, stick with your art because that's, that's what people I can't, want to see. I can't describe and to you how many mornings in, in, have been brightened with those Pringle, the Pringle man and woman cartoons, man. Uh, it makes me very happy. Um, 
I, I'm working on a new corporate. I have a new corporate mascot that I'm yet to unveil that I have been um, explore, exploring their body. I hope it's Captain Crunch. That's what I'm saying. I'll give, I'll give you a hint. It's another corporate mascot that you've never seen their body on the packaging. Just like the Pringle Man. You, you never see the Pringle Man's body. So there's, there's, there's only one other mascot I could think of who you never see their body. <laughs> I have one more question because I've listened to the full solo record. I loved it. Um, you made a dance record for 2020 embodying all of the terrible things that have happened in the most delectable sounds ever. Can you talk about the recording process as well as how it was to create a dance record for the, for the fall of the American dream, as you so described it on uh, Spotify? <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, you know, it's funny cause um, I was actually, I, I've, <sighs> I didn't write this record in 2020. I wrote this record in 2016 and 2017 and 2018, mostly. Um, which is strange because, yeah, I think that it's it's odd that... Um, I don't know. It, it does have the flavor of this sort of, like, very, like, the American dream is over, but in this really brash, aggressive kind of a way that is actually part of the reason I was hesitant to put it out last fall I had the opportunity to put it out and I was I was like I had a lot of I had too much stuff going on couldn't really handle the release of it and I was thinking about it and I was like also like everyone's gonna think this is so negative like I need to you know and then 2020 comes around and all of a sudden I'm it's like it, you know it sucks that I can't tour because I had a great band that um, I was excited to play those tunes with but um, you know it feels I think it feels right for the moment, um, which is, you know, lucky for me, I guess. Um, I'd love to be like, you know, I'd love to be psychotic and wrong, um, you know, I but I feel like um, 2020 has unfortunately been the kind of year where um, if you had a, a, any pessimism has not been proven wrong, right? It's been it's been like the year when the people with anxiety and sort of, uh, you know, negative thoughts about where things were maybe heading like every, those people are just like, welcome, <laughs> welcome to my world. Um, so I definitely been going through some Trump era anxiety and was channeling into making this record um, and chipping at it really aggressively over the years and. Also, really mostly in tandem with the 500 Days of Comics project, the record was, I was working on it at the same time. Um, so to me, they feel very, they feel very married. I was just going to say, when is that full record going to drop? Because I know two singles right now are on the Tommy Siegel Spotify account, if you want to listen to it there. Yes. Um, the third single drops this week. And then the, the full record drops on the 21st. So... Very soon. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, that's crazy that you wrote it so long ago. And again, it's so fitting right now. <laughs> Still, well, it's aged yeah. well. It's funny because I actually I, I wrote a whole other record that was it included like one of the songs from this record that I, I had demoed out in full, like at the end of the Obama kind of years. And all of a sudden Trump got elected. and I listened to the demos again and I was like, I can't put any of this out. It's not the right mood. And so, yeah, then, then it got me on the, uh, the, the, uh, you know, dance soundtrack with cowbell for the death of the American dream thing. As we've said multiple times, it is a bop and a banger, but that was, it's just a joke for a long time podcast listeners, but I love this record so much. And I am a guy who Thank you. either bangs to eighties metal or jam bands. And I could tell you that this record was just, chef's kiss so good man thank you i really really appreciate that i've been kind of like 
keeping this record close to the chest and a little scared to put it out. So I'm, I'm that means a lot. Yeah, it's it's fantastic, and we will definitely, besides this podcast, be promoting it on our on our end. Least least we can do. I was gonna say, at least we can do uh, for having you join us too. Um, uh, well, Tommy, thank you so much for for joining us for the interview. We'd love to uh, have you stick around just to to get a couple uh, music and TV show recommendations uh, before we end the episode. Um, and I, I guess it's a better time than any to uh, do music in a time of quarantine. Music in yeah. a time of quarantine. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, sung live every week by Bill Bodkin. We could have got an promise. I was going to say, we could have got an actual singer to do it, which is a a missed opportunity. Music in a time of quarantine, right? Yeah. You've been replaced, Bill. (laughs) Good. Uh, Yeah. Tired of doing everything around here. We actually have Tommy's audio, and we could keep that and make that the new segment music. (laughs) That would be the best. Uh, But yeah, music in a time of quarantine, uh, a song or an album, could be new, could be old, something that you recommend uh, you know, uh, our listeners and ourselves, uh, because we're always looking for new content, but just something to, to help us get by during this time. Uh, we'll start with Bill. Bill, what do you have for us this week? One sec. Just picking up right now. Um, so I'm going to go local. Uh, I was, it was recommended to me by a publicist who hit me up about a Jersey band, uh, that has played on multiple shows in Asbury park, our home, our home base. Uh, it's been called the happy fits. They have a new single out called, um, actually, basically a new EP called No Instructions. And man, this thing is just so good. It's got this indie alternative vibe. Should be like ready made for like a Sirius XM, um, an alt nation. Really great. These guys often headline, uh, they do a Christmas show at the end of December at House of Independence, run by my good buddy, Little Mike, who used to be run the Asbury Lanes. Um, Man, the hooks on this thing are gigantic. Again, like I said, this if you love indie and alternative, ranging from anywhere in the 2000s, this is totally going to hit your wheelhouse. If you were an FM 106 fan, if you're if you're listening from Jersey uh, back in the mid 2000s, G Rock Radio type deal, you know, like uh, Kaiser Chiefs or Franz Ferdinand, you'll totally vibe on this. If you're um, more of like even into the more synth-based stuff that's happening right now in the indie and alternative scene. They'll totally vibe on this. Uh, the harmonies are great. The the They're an extremely tight band. And the Happy Fits, I'm telling you, right now, when everything clears up, everything's back to touring and stuff like this, these guys are going to be a band to watch in the next few years. Extremely good. Extremely catchy. And uh, yeah. They're, they're a band to watch, and we will have an interview with them on the site uh, within the next few uh, few weeks. Excellent. Uh, I'm going to do my pick. Coincidentally, not local, but it, uh, it's Jersey, but not a not a you know a smaller band. It's actually something I kind of rediscovered. Uh, I'm uh, a huge fan of Jack Antonoff's uh, Bleachers. So good. Um, they uh, he came out with an MTV Unplugged album, and he actually did at the Stone Pony for like a like a like just like super fans got to like come and and see it. Unfortunately, was not there, but the album is fantastic. It's got like reworked versions of um, songs from his first album, and I think his second album was not released yet, so that he was playing like the versions or like kind of different versions of them, which uh, the album's gone now, but specifically his cover of don't take uh don't take the money with lord uh who was there and uh was doing backup uh, vocals on a bunch of songs but she actually uh it, it like like gives you chills this this uh this version of this song so you have to check it out if you've never heard it uh don't take the money featuring lord off of uh the mtv unplugged bleachers album it's fantastic tommy what do you have for us uh, um, I'm in a, um, broken record myself, but, um, my last quarantine concert, be- concert before quarantine was, was Deerhoof. Um, and they just put out a new record and it's like their 17th record or something, but it's one of their best. It's great. And they all live in different cities. So I found it very, um, inspiring as Ben and Jesse and I and Jukebox the Ghost do not live in the same city at the moment. Um, because they made the entire record remotely. 
but it's so lively and weird and um, playful. It doesn't sound like something that was cobbled together through emails. Um, so anyways, I just think it's a great record. It's um, sort of a coincidental quarantine record. Like they could have made it now, but they didn't. Um, and uh, couldn't recommend it more highly. Is Would that be uh, future teenage cave artists? Yes. And actually, one of the funniest things listening to it that I, I read an interview where I was like, the drums sound kind of crazy on a few tracks. Really cool. And I was... Uh, listening to an interview with the, the drummer of the band, Greg Saunier, and he, he said, um, he was like, oh yeah, a bunch of the drum tracks uh, are just me playing to my FaceTime camera through the laptop mic. And then we ended up keeping it. And I was like, wow, that's insane. But it, it actually sounds kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another thing I can recommend, if, if anyone, if you're a Jukebox the Ghost fan, and haven't listened to the Long Way Home live album. Love that album. I was listening today because uh, I was showing my wife uh, your music. And uh, uh, just a, a great song that kind of encompasses uh, all of Jukeboxes. Like a, a gateway song, if you will, is uh, Hollywood. I absolutely love that song. Um, and hearing Jesse doing the vocals in the beginning. Uh, it's it's something you have to see live. But if you can't, you have to listen to that track. It's fantastic. Uh, but yeah. Thank you, uh, thank you for doing uh, music in a time of quarantine. We're gonna we're gonna finish up with the watch list. So I don't this sing where, that. We don't. Thank God. Um, yeah. So this is where we pick a movie or a TV series that you recommend. Um, I'm gonna start with something that was actually recommended a few times um, uh, over the past couple episodes. Uh, Cole Rothecker, who joins us on the podcast, he's a writer on the site. He recommended to me to watch the new Harley Quinn animated series on, uh, it's on the DC universe app. Then it went to sci-fi. It is now on HBO max. Um, if you were a fan of like the old Batman, the animated series from the nineties, that style animation, but it's like super hard R, like crazy violent, uh, you know, uh, curses galore. It's fantastic. Um, the best versions of King Shark, voiced by Ron Funches, and uh, you got Christopher Maloney as Commissioner Gordon. It is um, it is not for kids. Do not show your kids the show. Um, it is pure adult entertainment. It is incredibly funny. Um, great relationship, like like uh, friendship between Harley Quinn, voiced by Kaylee Cuco, and Poison Ivy, voiced by Lake Bell. Like it's an all star cast. Um, for voice, I mean, I didn't even mention Alan, uh, Alan Tudyk plays Clayface and Joker. Um, if you have the HBO Max app or if you can access Sci-Fi or DC Universe, it's available in three places. You have no excuse. Check out that show. Highly recommend. And thank you, Cole, for the recommendation. Bill, what do you recommend for us? Well, Tommy, I don't know if you've listened to earlier episodes of this podcast, but we are a DuckTales stand podcast, especially oh, yeah. the new Disney XD version of DuckTales. If you have not watched it yet, it's just a little slice of heaven. It is. I uh, I highly recommend it. If you have Disney Plus, definitely check it out. If you don't have Disney Plus, I'm sure you can find it elsewhere. It's just wonderful, and it's definitely geared towards people of our age who watch the original DuckTales on the Disney afternoon, um, as not as much as kids. But uh, my recommendation is another kids show that is more geared towards adults to enjoy and that's also on Disney Plus and it's Muppets Now which is the latest incarnation of the Muppets on through in the Disney era I think it's the best incarnation of the Muppets in the Disney era you know as someone born in the early 80s uh, knocking on the door of 40 the Muppets show was an intrinsic part of life whether it was on HBO or Nickelodeon and um to me, I don't know how Disney... I didn't love the Muppets movie with Jason Segel. Muppets Most Wanted was okay. The ABC sitcom was... Eh. You know, it had its moments, but not the greatest. This captures the essence of the Muppets, really with um, quick segments. It's a 23-minute show, roughly. Uh, I watched the premiere episode. Uh, it's basically uh, like kind of the chaos of the early Muppet show where instead of everyone's backstage, it's uh, Scooter trying to upload the episode to Disney Plus, basically, they just don't say it, with Kermit and everyone giving him notes, but him just frantically trying to hit a deadline. You have, uh, and it's broken into four segments. First one is uh, Lifestyle instead of Lifestyle with Miss Piggy, uh, featuring uh, Tay Diggs, Linda Cardellini, 
Uh, it's classic Miss Piggy of just, you know, this bombastic ego just filling the screen while everyone kind of, kind of plays the straight person to her. Uh, the next one playing uh, is the Swedish chef, one of my all-time favorites. Uh, playing a very arrogant version of the Swedish chef and uh, playing for a lot of big laughs. Uh, closes out with an interview segment with uh, Kermit the Frog and RuPaul. And um, kind of one of the first openly queer Muppets in a character called Howard, who is a massive fan of RuPaul. And it's so done so genuinely that I need more of this character in my life. It's absolutely fantastic. And um, overall, it just gets that sort of self-deprecating, manic, and yet wholly sincere version of the Muppets, which I don't think in the Disney era has truly been captured. I think they really capture it here. Uh, it airs, I believe, every Friday on Disney+. And it's highly, it's highly worth checking out, especially if you don't have Disney+. Plus. It's $6.99 for Disney+. Plus. I mean, if you love Star Wars, The Mandalorian's right there for you. Um, so, yeah, man, it's The Muppets now. It's fantastic. Woo! Um, I'm mostly just excited to hear that Disney did a Muppet thing that's that's catching a vibe for you because I'm I, I've had the same opinion as you in the Disney era, so that's exciting. Very exciting. Um, I have not so in quarantine somehow I've been too busy with comics and music and stuff that I like have been incredibly bad at watching anything. But w the only thing I've been watching this summer, um, with my uh quarantine pod housemates is the the netflix show alone um and it's um it's a show where they drop people off into it's essentially a survival show and whoever can survive the longest wins um but we just watched i think the latest season which i i think just came out that um is people surviving in like the arctic circle and trying to hunt moose you know, with bows and arrows and, um, it's totally insane. And it makes you feel a little bit better about, you know, isolating with, you know, the modern conveniences of, of the 21st century. Cause you watch that and you're like, well, at least I'm not alone and trying to eat a moose, you know, but it's, it's great. Great show. I was going to say, I thought you were going to say the Netflix series, the floor is lava because that is also <laughs> a great show. If you haven't watched it, talk about like mindless entertainment and it's like oh man how did i not think of that as a great game show i'm sure uh, no, as someone who took care of a three and five year old the floor is lava is not an unfamiliar phrase to you yeah, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. Uh, exactly. but yeah uh maybe maybe alone is not a kid-friendly show uh but no, floor is no, lava no. probably a kid-friendly show yeah. uh, well tommy thank you so much this has been uh it's been amazing i mean bill and i have been talking about it like like the last couple of days uh, we kind of been in shock and, and, uh, because we're, you know, obviously big fans of yours and uh, we're just happy to talk to another human on a weekly basis. So this is uh, it's great, especially someone we uh, we haven't had a chance to you know talk face to face with and, and have been admirers of. So thank you so much. This has been amazing. Thank you for having me. Um, and again, like I was just I was just really enjoying listening to the podcast today and excited about being on. So I, I heard a lot of you guys waxing poetic about uh, Batman. Um, that was that was that was the episode I was listening to uh, this afternoon while I was I was drawing some stuff. But thank you so much for having me on. Appreciate you inviting me. Um, and then uh, we just left a, a couple plugs uh, at the end. Uh, so where can yeah. people find your stuff? Uh, where can they pre-order the book? And uh, and again, when is the album dropping? Um, so let's see. So the my first book is coming out October 6th through Andrews McNeil. And it's called I Hope This Helps. Uh, comics and cures for 20th century 21st century panic um if you go to my instagram or twitter or my website tommysegel.net i'm also tom at tommy siegel s-i-e-g-e-l uh, across all platforms you'll find the link that goes to all of these things so there's a link that i've set up where you can because i've got a lot of things going on at the moment so you can find the book pre-order and you can also find the record pre-order and links to listen to the newest singles. So, um, yeah, it's all there. Doom scroll away. Yeah, we're going to link to all of that um, in the podcast description. So if you uh, want to 
get a direct link to pre-order the book or go check out the first couple singles uh, off the, the the debut album, the upcoming album, uh, you can do so by checking the podcast description. Uh, Bill, where can people find you? Well, uh, as we do sometimes, Al, we do plug a little charity, and we've talked a lot about live music. we talked about a lot of venues. Uh, I recommend a lot of people, before you check out anything through the pop break, go to saveourstages.com, which is uh, you know run by the National Independent Venue Association. We work with, at pop break, a lot of independent uh venues in new jersey where we're based out of new york pennsylvania florida minnesota texas a lot of places where we, a lot of places canada maryland a lot of places we shoot so um we want to help preserve independent uh venues right now we want to get the american government to get behind you know giving relief to these venues because there are a lot of people who work at these venues who aren't just the people at them there are the people who are working behind the bar. There are people who are working sound. There are people who are working the stage. We want to help them out. So please go to SaveOurStages.com. There's a lot of cool stuff. Danny Clinch, we've interviewed on this site before, a famous rock photographer. has done a lot of great giveaways and auctions for them. So please help them out because, you know, that's places where you can see people like Tommy and Juke- doing solo work and Jukebox the Ghost. So please, uh, SaveOurStages.com. Check them out. But... Once you do that, then you can check out thepopbreak.com. We post every single, almost every single day about film, television, music, comic books, pro wrestling, uh, and everything in between. Of course, check us out. Um, you know, the Socially Distance Podcast, rate, review, subscribe. We are on Anchor. We are on iTunes. We are on SoundCloud. No, we're not on SoundCloud. I'm sorry. Spotify. And we are on Google Podcasts. Uh, also, check out our other our other podcasts on those same platforms, which is called uh, Pop Break TV, where we talk a lot about television. Um, you'll be hearing me talking about puppets now on there as well. We're on Twitter at popbreak.com, all spelled out, forward slash popbreak.com, all spelled out on Facebook, and at the popbreak on Instagram. So many, so many plugs. Verified on Twitter for no reason. Almost zero reason. Uh, there is no, there's a not even a funny story towards it. Uh, but yeah, uh, I'm at Al Manorino on Twitter and Instagram. I used to post pictures, but I really don't take them anymore because there's, you know, nothing to take photos of other than my son being adorable. Um, so you'll you'll see them uh, mostly. And uh, yeah, check out uh, all of Tommy's stuff. And thank you again for joining us on the pod. Um, come back anytime, honestly. If you're right. if you have if you have free time, please come back. We'd love to have you on. Would love to come back. Awesome. Thank you again, and uh, thanks for listening to socially distance this week. See you soon. <laughs>